1: What is up, Tar Heel fans? For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and the clock unfortunately struck midnight on North Carolina, turning the Tar Heels back into a pumpkin, dashing any dreams fans might have had of the college football playoffs and the Heisman with a horrific home loss against Georgia Tech. On this episode of What More Can I Say, we've got a fellow Tar Heel football letterman joining the podcast and Michael Felder, who works as a national college football analyst to try and make sense of the Georgia Tech game with me. That was a tough one to watch, but let's get it. Joining me now, he's a college football analyst, and you can catch him on Twitter at in the bleachers. He's a fellow Carolina football letterman. It's Michael Felder. Michael, appreciate you joining me today. I was hoping to have you on, and we'd have a lot of great things to talk about, but it never can be that easy with Carolina football. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Georgia Tech winning in Chapel Hill over number 13 Carolina.
2: What did you see that went so wrong for the Tar Heels? I mean, they just it seemed like they just stopped, right? <laughs> like it just you get out to a 17 to nothing lead, and then Georgia Tech is able to put together um, you know, three touchdowns. And it just it it truly seemed like they just stopped. I mean, I, I thought that um they they were they started out like look well, like they were gonna be able to run the ball, then they couldn't do that, and then okay, we're gonna do this, and oh, we can't do that anymore. And um obviously a couple of critical drops, um un un un, un, un drops that were very out of character especially for a guy like downs. And it just was like, Whoa, what's this is? It's, it's, it's almost like they got like switched at halftime with like, like bizarro UNC.
1: How much of a problem do you think it was for this Carolina team that Georgia tech goes, you know, six plays and punts, the defense gets a stop. Carolina's offense comes out. They hand the ball off to Elijah green, one play 80 yards how much of that do you think was Carolina's problem where when you score that quickly, you're thinking, you know, this game is going to be over by by the end of the first quarter?
2: Well, I mean, look at the, like, that's that's the thing. You go back and you look at the, because I want to make sure I get this right. Look at the, looking at the, um the point separate. It was, it was seven, 10. And then they scored the seven going into the half. So it was 17 to nothing. And you're like, okay, we got this. This is, we're going to take care of business. And then, it just was, I don't know if that's a problem because at the end of the day, Elijah Green only had 92 yards. So after an 80-yard run, we only get 12 y- 12 more yards. If if you get an 80-yard run, that's one run on one carry, and then you have nine more carries, you only get 12 yards, that's not good. So I don't know if they thought it was going to be easy sledding or Georgia Tech just had their number. I don't know. I, 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 I've talked to some folks, and I think Brent Key may end up being the guy there because of the way that he's kind of – both simplifies but also made a way to create a little danger for this football team.
1: Who do you think is, is more to blame for what happened Saturday, the offense that got shut out for the final 33 minutes of that game or the defense that allowed 21 unanswered points to a Georgia Tech offense on its third quarterback and and down its number one receiver? And they, they even lost a couple of offensive linemen during that game
2: this is going to be controversial, but I am going to blame the offense because we know that the defense has been rough all season long, right? Like, we all watch the Appalachian State game, right? I mean, hell, we we all watch FAMU. And we, so we know that the defense has had issues constantly, but the offense has been able to pick them up. I will say that the defense, the offense shouldn't always have to pick the offense up, but that's what you're expecting to have happen. And the offense just didn't show up for them. And listen, in the world of college football, because I do a lot of national stuff in the world of college football, giving up 21 points, it's not that bad. Giving up 21 points, your team's still supposed to win if you have a functional offense. If you give up 21, you know, like, if you only only give up 21 points per game, you're in good shape. So for me, I, I think it was the offense. I think the offense just not clicking. Uh, not being able to get the run game actually going, not being able to get because we saw these huge chunk plays, right? Um, not just from Elijah, not just from Green, but from Hampton as well. He we had a 21 yard run. We see these chunk plays, but we don't see what we don't see are those five, six, five, six, five, six, five, six consistently. And that puts a lot of burden, obviously, on a young guy in Drake May. And, and Drake May, I, I, Georgia Tech just played good defense, man. Only 200 yards passing after cu- coming all half as many yards passing as he had a week ago.
1: Yeah, he was he was my Heisman favorite going into that week. And, you know, in, in one game, we, we lost any talk about the college football playoffs. We lost any talk about the Heisman. It's just a, a program where it seems like, you know, once it starts getting momentum, they're going to trip up and, and inexplicably lose a game that they really shouldn't. Uh, North Carolina, it's it's two weeks now where, where this yeah. team has had, a lot of red zone struggles. They struggled yep. in the wake forest game, punching it in, found a way to still win that game. They, they struggled in the, this past game against Georgia tech Struggled to get it in where yep. if, if Carolina scores any of those red zone trips, instead of kicking a field goal or, or the turnover on downs yep. you know, that, that Georgia tech team probably just lays down and quits. If, if they go down 31 or, or 24 or nothing, even at yep. halftime, um, how worrying do you think it is for this Carolina team that when you watch that game, it looked like the Georgia Tech team was was playing for punts at one point. Yep. And on both sides of the ball, they got pushed around at the line of scrimmage.
2: I think that it's it the the craziest part to me was towards the end of the game where as you mentioned, Georgia Tech was playing for punts, right? They wanted they're trying to fill position and make UNC have to drive and 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 force them to to take the long way. And they still got first downs. They still got first downs. I mean, they had, what did they get a penalty? And then it was second and, it was first and 15. And then they picked up nine yards and then they picked up, then they converted the first down on the next play. And I was like, this, this is the thing you don't want to have happen. So I just, it's listen, those lines, it matters. And, and, and as someone who, listen, I played for coach Bunning, love him. Those – from Bunning to now, the biggest thing – and there's the only kind of little sliver of both confidence and capability has been with when Butch Davis was there with respect to that defensive line. When Butch was there, that defensive line was hopping. Those boys were ready to rock and roll. They got big boys in there. They were, they, we got got there's guys that are still in the league that played on those defensive lines. And so I think – but – To go back to Mac, Mac's first stint here, that defensive line was popping. And you got guys that made plays up front. So it's just, you got to have a good front seven. I know that in college football, the world of college football today, so many people are so, we're so focused, hyper focused on offense. And you're right, offense is the way that you win. But man, you got to have guys up front, especially when it comes down to, you know, when teams go into their four minute offense. Where they're just trying to eat up the clock and gobble up some time to make sure you don't get the ball back, and definitely don't get the ball back in good field position. When teams go into that, you got to have defensive guys up front that can force things, that can force the issue. And I mean, honestly, uh, TV man, you got to have, you got to get, you got to have good gap fits too, man. That's the other part. Like when you got two guys in one gap, somebody did something wrong.
1: Yeah, t- it takes just that one little miss in a gap fit and it breaks a a huge play and all of a sudden everybody's everybody's looking around and that one play all of a sudden makes a a entire defense look pretty bad another area carolina has struggled this year has been guarding any running backs out of the backfield it's yes you, you put these guys on swings you put them on screens it's going to muddy up the entire Carolina defense and and lead to these big plays that other defenses are getting. You also mentioned the front seven for Carolina. I have a stat that kind of leads to that defensively. UNC has just 15 sacks in 11 games. That's dead last in the ACC by a, a considerable margin. Uh, 13th in the ACC is Boston college who, who has 20 for context Louisville in 11 games has 41 sacks uh so just a crazy crazy number when a team almost has tripled the amount of sacks that Carolina has what do you think the problem is with this Carolina team because they can hardly generate any sort of pressure despite the fact that this is now Mac Brown's fourth year and he has been he has been stockpiling young talent on the defensive line but you know, no matter how much talent he brings in, it seems like those guys just cannot win up front.
2: Yeah. I think that, I think it's a combination of things. I think one of it is it's, it's, it's teaching, right. And a coaches have to view themselves as teachers and whether it's Thig or it's chiswick or whoever it is, you've got to teach these guys what they're supposed to do. And that's why, that's what I was kind of was alluding to with, with, with Butch was he, he's a good teacher. Uh, you go back and read boys will be boys, the Cowboys book. And, they talk about how Butch taught the, that defensive line there. So the big thing for me, these guys got to know what they're supposed to do. Not just know their assignments, but they got to have a move and they got to have a counter move. And then you've got to call plays, whether they're stunts, whether they are design blitzes. Like it's because whether they're team, whether they're formation, auto like auto moves, like there's there's certain things you got to do. And I think that one of the things that they they, they are – they struggle to get lined up. And then when you struggle to get lined up, then you have a problem with what you're supposed to do. They're still, I've seen multiple times. We've got a guy with his hand on the ground, looking backwards at power. Like, is it, am I, am I right here? Am I right? Do I know what I'm, am I, am I in the good, good spot? And he's like, God, the ball's snapping. Go, 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 go. And so I think that's going to be, a, that's a huge part of it. I'm very curious to see what happens in the off season, obviously. I think this is a team that they've got good pieces. The pieces just need to all they all need to row in one direction. You know what I'm saying? Like they all need to go, they all need to pull in one direction. And that's going to be the key to me is how do they how do they figure out the best way to one impart these guys with skills that they can use to what well, I don't care if it's a swim, I don't care if it's a rip, I don't care if it's a slap, I don't care if it's a it's a stick and go. I don't care if you have to run a text, a pirate, any of those things, whatever you have to do to get these guys to be able to create penetration. I think that's going to be the key because lack of penetration means that you have to ultimately manhandle the guy in front of you. And most of these guys are smaller than the guys that are in front of them. And so if you can't manhandle the guy that's in front of you, you've got to do something else. And so to me, that goes back to coaching that goes back to the strategy. These guys, we don't. You, we don't have big guys. We don't have big guys, and so you're going to have to do things like slant, stunt, and create a. a you got to. You got to use the speed that you have to your advantage. You got to use that speed to create penetration. I think that's going to be the part where they've got to kind of recalibrate, uh, especially. Listen, we're, this is a team that's. They're still going to be in Charlotte.
0: conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
1: yeah you mentioned the the lineman looking back and not ready at the snap and you know how many times have we seen this year cedric ray who i think is is the heart and soul of the the carolina defense he's been a, a bright spot as crazy as as it is to say, he's been a bright spot on a defense that's yes. ranked in the 100s. And how many times this year have we seen him, you know, physically moving Move. guys, yes. moving guys before the line of scrimmage to get them in the right spot where it, it seems like he's doing, you know, he's doing everybody's job on that defense for them just to get in the right looks. Um, I'm, I'm, su- I want to say I'm surprised by the result, but this has been a trend for this Carolina team where. You know, how many games this year have have people said like they they can't keep getting away with with these right. kind of performances eventually it was going to ca- it was going to catch up to them. Uh, I think we both know how hard it is to win on the college level, um but it is I think it is indefensible for this Carolina team to look like the less inspired team when when you consider the stakes they're playing for a, uh, an outside shot of the college yeah. football playoffs, double digit wins um compared to a Georgia tech team on rotating between their third and fourth quarterback and, you know, a a sub 500 team that needs to, that needs to be Georgia next week for, for bowl eligibility. So it's, it's, you can't tell me those guys in their mind are, are thinking that they're going to get bowl eligible. Um, You've seen NC state and and Clemson uh, a ton this year. If anybody follows you on Twitter, they'll see, I don't. I don't know how anybody watch. How anybody could watch more games than you're watching. I always just think about your setup when when I'm watching just two TVs normally, um, and how much must be going on. But you've seen NC State. You've seen Clemson. With how badly Carolina looked in the trenches, I we didn't even really mention it, but the offensive line really didn't look that good either. Yeah. Drake May got sacked 6 times. How worrying are those two games for UNC now after after what we saw in the Georgia Tech game and
2: parts of what we've seen this season? I mean, obviously Clemson is a bear. They're they're, they're still sitting at the top of the conference and uh they they're back where they were, you know, a season before a season ago. And they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be a bear. They're playing a little bit differently. They're a different football team than they were though. in you know, 20 in 2020 and 20 in 2019 and 2018. They're a different team than that. They play different. They 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 are a little more muscly of a football team because they don't have the weapons on the edge to make things happen. They 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 play through the middle a little bit more. So that's gonna be an interesting contrast with UNC. Uh to go to the immediate game, North Carolina State, I'll be honest, and I I multiple bosses have told me this is not a thing you're supposed to say, but I have no clue. Dude, I don't. I've watched NC State play and one, who's gonna who's gonna play quarterback for them? Is it gonna be Finley? Is it gonna be Chambers? I like that, That's step one. Is it gonna be Jack Chambers, or is it gonna be Finley? Chambers got yoinked out of the the most recent game. He gets Louisville, yeah, yeah. So, is it gonna be Finley? If it's Finley, you're playing against a freshman. You should be able to confuse him. Do something in the back end. Because I like Grimes. I like Duck. Do something in the back end that makes it a little bit more interesting or a little difficult for him. And that's going to be like we, they are NC. We can talk all we want about a team that's in disarray. I think North Carolina State, they may be in more disarray than UNC because they don't, they're still trying to figure out what to do at the quarterback position. They're still trying to figure out who outside of what is his name, Thayer, Thayer Thomas. Who else are we going to throw the ball to? Like, you look at his numbers. He's got 50 catches. The next guy has 25. Like, he, he's doubled up the next guy. They don't distribute the ball anywhere. It just goes to him. So, I think it's going to be interesting to see how um, this game, I mean, it's, you know, obviously, it's Thanksgiving weekend. This is a game where everybody gets amped up for. It. I know everybody loves to talk Duke UNC, Duke UNC, Duke UNC, but... NC State and UNC, that's the football, that's the rivalry right there. That's, we went to school with them dudes. I know you're not from North Carolina, but we went to school with those guys. Like, we we're, we, we went to school, like, those guys are from across the street. Those guys, you know, like, if you're from East Mech, that guy played at Providence. You played against them in high school. Or you went to high school with them, and he went there and you went here. So this is a, there's a lot going on in this rivalry and both teams are, are kind of um, limping into the football game, right? Like NC state's lost two in a row and to to BC and then to Louisville, Louisville, by the way, got up off the mat. They, they showed up. I didn't understand. I didn't see that coming. So it's just very, um, this is a game in the world of gambling This is the one where you say, stay away from it.
1: (laughs) If you're looking for a point at which the Carolina offense has started to struggle recently, I feel like you can almost pinpoint it to when Antoine green got knocked out of the wake forest game. Uh, He misses the Georgia tech game. He's he's really the only other receiving option that Carolina has Mm -hmm. at the receiver position outside of Josh downs. Green has 30 catches on the year. 678 yards, six touchdowns, 22.6 yards per catch. He's he's the guy who takes the tops to off uh, defenses for Carolina, opens up a lot of things for Josh Downs. How much of what we saw against Georgia Tech do you think can be traced back to the fact that Carolina doesn't have Antoine Green, and how much do you think the offense needs him for the state game
2: and then for the Clemson game? I think they certainly need it for Clemson. I think that's that's something that we've seen um time and again that if you can take the top off against Clemson, if you can push them vertical, stretch their safeties, and then create space in the intermediate. Downs is gonna be, you know, he's gonna be a little he's gonna be a little wiggly in there, which is good. Um, I think the Nesbitt is good. I like I I like Bryson Nesbitt. I think he's a good football player. I just I want him to we gotta they have to find a way to use him to occupy a safety to sneak somebody underneath him. And this is something that I've seen over the course of the year in college football, and I haven't seen UNC do it as much as I want them to, running these clear-out routes. And not just for the running backs. Um, I don't know if you guys watched – I don't know if you got a chance to watch the USC game last night, but they literally lined up Jordan Addison, their best wide receiver. They lined him up as a running back, and then to a two-tight inside, cleared out with those – they ran an out from one tight end, a, a seam to the clear-out – from the other and then ran him on a wheel your bet. so what if you what if you hey what if you put josh downs in the backfield and let him clear it out or you put if green's healthy put him in the backfield um and let nesbitt run that clear out so if the safety comes over the top guess what nesbitt will be right will be wide open right there or the safety tracks him like you expect him to and now you've got an open downs coming around the side i just I think the play calling has been less than inventive at times. And listen, whether it's Morales, Blackwell, like all these guys, like you have to find a way to engineer their success. And I think that falls on the coaches, uh, the coaches shoulders because there are a lot of combinations that you can run with these guys. These guys, they, they are not slow. These guys can all run. They can run. You got to point them in the right direction. I think that's going to be the key. And if you've got to go 12 with what is it, Nesbitt and Morales? If you got to go 12 personnel, then go 12. But go 12 and make everything look different. Cause 12 also keeps that big package. And you know this as well as I do, right? 12 keeps your base personnel on defense in the game. Yep. And then what? You got your base personnel in the game. Then you do something like kick Elijah out to the outside bring downs inside now all of a sudden they're like okay well he's technically number one but the most dangerous guy is now number three what are we supposed to do you've got to do things like that to play with people's minds not make it so easy
1: yeah the the lack of innovation has been a a pretty common complaint i could i feel like with this north carolina team it's crazy to say since they have the, the 13th best scoring offense sure. and the eighth best total offense in the NCAA. But I think when, when you have playmakers all over the field, when you have a, a quarterback that's going to win the ACC player of the year, most likely yeah. in, in a landslide that the the room for this team is a lot higher than, than the ceiling that, that they're playing at right now. And I've seen, I've seen fans today and, uh, after the game on Saturday, when people are listening to this say that it before the year, they would have signed up for, for nine and two at this point, postal yes. champions without a doubt, Um which is a good perspective. I think it's kind of not taking into account what that second loss was and how bad that second loss was sure. in, in the perspective of things. But again, nine and two, Still a great season. What would you consider a success to close this year out for Carolina between um, the state game, the Clemson game, and then a potential bowl game? Well, a bowl game.
2: I think it's beat beat NC State, which is what we always want to do, and then lose a tight one to Clemson. But then you're going to be sitting there with what two? What, what is that? That's three losses, right? And you've got an op. You 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 go. So this is a t- so. Hang on, let me. I'm. I'm not great at math, by the way, just so you know. I was management in society. I wasn't. I wasn't a math guy. Um, but you, they' they were nine and one. They're nine and two. They win one. They go ten and two. Ten and two. Ten and two gives them ten and three. And then you go win. You get at an eleven and three season. Come on. If if and this is the thing, and I'm glad you brought it up. If in June, July, August, you said, "Hey, you're going to go eleven and three this year." Folks would have been like, absolutely yes. It's the same with Syracuse, right? If you told Syracuse that they wouldn't lose their first game until the middle of October, they'd be like, okay, sounds great to me. Where do so, I sign? Yeah, where do I? <laughs> yes, I'm yes, I'm in. Put yes, I'm in for this. So I think the big key for me with, with UNC is if you can go 11 and 3, that helps you have carry momentum into the offseason. That also means you're probably going to be in in in, in a bowl game of note. It may not be the orange ball, but it's going to be a game of note, and that's going to be something that that does matter. So, I, eleven and three is what I'm looking at. I think Clemson might be too big of a mountain to summit, but definitely you got to go out there and beat NC State, who's on their fourth quarterback. Too soon. Georgia Tech was also
1: on their fourth quarter. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah you you can count on on one hand the the seasons that Carolina has had 11 wins it's 72 80 97 and 2015. so this would only be the fifth year yeah. in, in in 119 years of the program yeah. a team has gotten to 11 wins so that would be you know a, a great achievement and if they can win uh the bowl game that would be like you mentioned uh, a great way to kind of jump start the off season into next yeah. year um but that is all we have this week appreciate you joining me today Felder you could follow him on Twitter at in the bleachers appreciate the time and appreciate everybody that's watched or listened.
2: thank you so much it's always good to get on with you man this is this is fantastic and by the way they won at Virginia that's a thing that also never used to happen another great point Paramount plus and the National Park Foundation present.